And welcome back to In the Nest, an Emmaus Athletics podcast on the campus of Emmaus Bible College. I'm your co-host, Matthew Tomlinson, and we're here with a very special guest, Coach Neil Pittman. Coach, how are you doing? I am doing very, very well. We really appreciate you being here on the podcast and just talking about your experience as Emmaus, as a student, as a coach, and just the history of Emmaus Volleyball, because... Man, we had some good years. Yeah, and I'm really happy to be here, but I'm a little confused because I did think this was a Taylor Swift podcast ah. that I was coming on. So I <laughs> actually may not be exactly prepared for what you're going to ask me. So uh, apologies. What's your advance. favorite album? Oh, it's Folklore. Folklore, okay. Moving on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> All the time in the world. Ooh, I like that. All right. Until both our wives are calling saying, where are you where guys? Are Get you? off the podcast. Stop talking about volleyball and Taylor Swift <laughs> together. Yes. But yeah, speaking of volleyball, um, Coach Pittman, you served as our volleyball coach for 11 years from 2009 to 2012 and then 2015 to 2021. You are an alum of Emmaus. You graduated in 2002 in the Computer Information Systems Program, 2018 National Coach of the Year, 134 wins, including that back-to-back uh, -back conference champions, uh, made it to the Final Four in the National Championship Tournament, and what was it, 47 and 11 in those two years? That sounds right. Which is awesome. But yeah, I just want to talk to you about the history of Emmaus, your experience here. So let's go back to the very beginning when you were a freshman, before you were a freshman. Okay. How, how did that process come to getting to Emmaus start? Okay. Um, so my family lived in Canada, which is actually where I learned how to play volleyball. Men's volleyball is pretty big up there. Um, and then uh, my dad got a job at Emmaus in the 90s. So family moved here. And so it was the natural progression of being a faculty kid and being around Emmaus. <laughs> and it just after high school, I was like, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. Um, so I, when I came to Dubuque, I, I played volleyball, a club volleyball. So USA club volleyball, like a lot of the uh, women play around As a here. Canadian. As a Canadian, I was <laughs> like, this is what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, that's what led me to Emmaus. And then I was here for five years. And like you mentioned, doing the computer program that started during my time here. So it's not that I was a bad student or just really liked to, to be at Emmaus, which I did, but <laughs> I changed my major, you know, to, to complete it. Mm -hmm. So it took that, um, that fifth year. So did you do, did we have a club volleyball team at the time? No, no. I played some intramurals. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. So that's how I got to Emmaus start. And then you graduated in 2002 yes. with computer information, computer information systems. Yes. And then what got you into like volleyball coaching volleyball after that? Right. So when I was at Emmaus, I, I played intramurals. I kept playing like, um, in, in tournaments, like I still played in leagues, like uh, indoor league, men's league mm -hmm. at Clark College, um, did a lot of grass and sand tournaments. So I was actively playing volleyball. Um, but then, yeah, so it was my senior year. Uh, my mom was actually working at Tri-State Christian School. And so then that-, that Shout was, out Huskies. Was, yes, shout out Huskies. So there was a connection there. And then they had, it was a new program there that had been going just for a year. And then, uh, th so through my mom, I found out that they had a need for an assistant coach. And I, it's not something I'd, I'd ever thought about doing, but I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. You know, why not? Why not? And <laughs> little did we know, <laughs> little did we know. So I, uh, yeah, I, I started there, uh, the first two years as, as an assistant coach. And it was really interesting because I was like, this is going to be so easy. I like, I know volleyball. I've played a lot of volleyball and I'm going to go, uh, it, it was assistant coach for high school and head coach for uh, middle school oh boy. Was, girls. And I was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> middle school. Yeah. Volleyball is a whole nother. <laughs> so, but honestly, like I look back at like that formative time, it, it was really, really great because it really made me like, be like, Hey, I, I might be a, a decent volleyball player. How do I teach this? Yeah. I have no idea. Right. So how like, do you communicate? How do you coach well and understanding to trial by fire <laughs> for sure? So yeah. So two years as assistant and then the rest of the time, whatever it was, maybe five more years. I'm really bad at math. I'm sorry. Uh, first, um, one zero zero one one zero zero one. Yeah. So then uh, up up until two thousand eight uh, as head coach at Tri State, and that was really really fun, great experience there. And then so two thousand eight, you were still coaching at Tri State, yes. and then two thousand nine is when Emmaus decided to start an intercollegiate women's volleyball team, which yes. was our first, obviously our first year ever. How did 
Like, did they approach you say, Hey, we want to start this. Will you coach? Or was it like, Hey, if we start this, will you coach? How did that kind of go along that got you on board to starting your Emmaus, your Emmaus again journey? Yeah. Okay. So a couple things, um, you know, my good buddy, Juice, Justin Smith was athletic director. Um, I think in alumni relations kind of hybrid uh, he role, did, hybrid like, role he did at the everything time. at the time. He yeah. had like 47 hats that he had on. So, yeah. So he'd been in contact with me, mm-hmm. not, not, not to recruit me, but just like when, when club volleyball was going on, which I believe was two years maybe of when they were playing against other intercollegiate programs. Um, he just kind of let me know like, Hey, we're doing this, you know, I should check this out. Like just, um, and, uh, but actually I, I was thinking about it today and like the, the actual real spark of it was I was, um, eating Chinese food with my wife. I think at that great dragon, that place by target. Mm, still yeah. there. Yeah. Still there. <laughs> haven't been in years. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what it was like, <laughs> but so we, like we were there and I remember, uh, Tim Iverson came in and he was, he came over to me. He's like, Hey, you still uh, coaching at tri-state? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, ever think about moving over to intercollegiate volleyball. And I was like, wait, what? So that was the first time I'd heard about it. So you can really, Mm. he was the very first one, but then, you know, obviously I'd been talking to juice. Mm -hmm. And so then it was a good transition because my wife was teaching at Tri-State at the time, uh, but we were about to have our first baby. And so then she was going to be done teaching there. So like that connection, the perfect transition, that that connection Mm -hmm. point was done. It was the question of like, do I continue on at Tri-State without Beth being there? Cause Mm -hmm. she actually served as my assistant coach for the last two years that I was there which she's pretty fun, isn't it? It was, it was awesome. But I mean, she is, uh, she will admit she is not an athlete, not a volleyball player, but she really, you know, she loved mentoring the girls Uh and and doing all that stuff. So anyway, uh, so then we were like, okay, well, you know, maybe this is like an open door and like, it was pretty soft start, like not a big schedule, not a lot of travel. And I was like, Hey, having a new baby, like maybe this will work out. And so, uh, yeah. So then I met with juice and, uh, I believe, uh, John Glock at the time. And then, the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> how would you say like, like what was your mindset or how would you like, how would you go into it with the mindset of like, okay, like we are starting this program from the bottom. Like we're building it from the ground up. How do you like, is, do you just go in there like the first year? Like, okay, we'll see what we have. We'll go into that and then kind of build off of that. Or how would you say like your mindset was going into that? Because clearly, um, clearly it worked out um, in the end. Yeah. I mean, going into it, I don't recommend anybody do that. It's, (laughs) (laughs) and, but I mean, here's what I'll say Uh, over all of this, like my experience at Emmaus uh, was phenomenal. And even that time it was phenomenal. It was just really hard. Right. Yeah. And it it probably would have been a different landscape if you were like thinking about starting a new program today, when you're already established, you're part of the NCCAA, you're part of a conference, you kind of have all that down. Whereas in 2009, I got hired in July. (laughs) We have games in a month. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. you know, basically they had some remnants from the club team that were going to be back. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, basically whoever else we were going to, that was going to walk through the door. Um, so, but to your, to your question, my, my mentality in that first season was like, okay, let's just like establish what this is. Mm-hmm. And that was very challenging to think about doing it's scary to do right yeah you could put yourself really out is. there um but also like super fun and rewarding because it was basically like well blank slate right like yeah you can you can do whatever you want with this like within reason and um so i think that first season was kind of just like okay what is it like coaching here how do we put it together what is the competition like right because you go from a you go from two years of club where it's like more we have fun, like yeah. more, it's more, it's higher, uh, intramurals to full on right. competitive, right. Intercollegiate. But volleyball. I mean, juice had sent me some videos of highlights mm-hmm. of the club team and I'm like, and like, Oh, I can work with it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, there, there is something here, right. It's not a, a complete unknown. So it's like, we had, okay, we some had pieces a, 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 to, some pieces, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about some players, but like at the time, like a Christie Steinhaus bracelet, like Hannah Denny, um, uh, Sarah Lepisto, like those players were here. And it was like, okay, we can, we can do something. We can with do this. something with this. So that first season, yeah, I think we played like eleven matches. We ended up four and seven, which I mean, man, we we won. in the first year of a, of a team, like we won some matches. Was huge, right? And I think my favorite from that from that season would have been the very first game, like the very first intercollegiate volleyball game. Adam Aes was at home versus Calvary. Oh, that's fun. And 
you can imagine like what the atmosphere is like because this is like a this is all team. new like yeah right. <laughs> and it, like nothing against soccer soccer was started that year too super mm-hmm. exciting but club soccer had been going for so long yeah, like people were used years. to going to soccer games and so volleyball you know even when they had the club volleyball at home was exciting but this was like whoa this is a big deal <laughs> so anyway we won the very first set against calvary oh the first, set the program the like, right yes, direction i think it was like 26 24 <laughs> it was close i mean we lost the rest of the match but just that initial <laughs> feeling and that i think you know that season we were like okay so that would probably feel a little embarrassing uh losing the first set to a <laughs> brand new <laughs> team maybe. <laughs> maybe i don't know we love calvary so yeah, i think they we were do. probably okay probably with fine it. but yeah so yeah, so 2009, 2012 was your first stint coaching. Yes. Um, and then obviously you came back, you took a break. Yes. And you came back and you said, I'm going to build this up again. How would you, like, would your mindset different the second time around or how yes. would you say? Yes. So just to back up a little bit. So then I went through 2011 or 2010, 11, 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we made some good progress there. Like, I think we ended that time with a winning record, which, I mean, I, I don't know how we did that. It's <laughs> awesome, you know? though. Yeah. Right. Um, but throughout that time, you know, there was a lot of, um, uh, it, it, it was still an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. And, and not not to anybody's fault at Emmaus or anything, just like the landscape of what sports were like during that time. It was different. It was different it was than different. it is now. So, under like, understand, like, recruiting wasn't a thing. Like, when I first said... You literally walk around during a freshman orientation. Hey, right. uh, you look athletic. Want to play? Right. <laughs> so when I when I wanted to do that, starting in in 2010, I got a lot of like, what, coach? Like, what are you how, doing? How? How? Like, what does this even mean, coach? Like, you tripping? Yeah. <laughs> like we don't have scholarships. What are you recruiting them? For? How How are you going to recruit them? So that was like kind of like a shift. Um, so then going through, yeah, you know, that first um, those first four years, we were able to recruit some players. We have like con- some continued successes. Um, and then I decided to take the break cause I, f- I, I felt like where things were at and what I was doing and in my family life, personal life, I was like, okay, it, it's like, I need to step away from this for a while. N- you know, nothing bad, nothing, mm-hmm. uh, no conflict or anything with, with Emmaus, like all good there. Um, just personally, I was like, okay, I kind of have reached the end of this phase. Reset. Kind Reset. Of, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so then you asked about my mindset coming back. So, you know, I, I took the two years off and when there was an opening in 2015, uh, honestly, they, it, I like this story because they, Emmaus actually reached out to me a couple times and I didn't even have the conversation with nope. them. I just flat out told them no. Um, and so, I, I mean, that, that's what I did. Third time's a charm. Because, well, I mean, just because I was like, nope, I, this store is closed in my life. Like uh-huh. this is not that. And then uh, it was actually the last time uh, John Glock uh, reached out to me and was like, hey, can we just like, can we have a phone call? And I remember talking about my wife about it. And she was like, you know, <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, I can remember sitting there and she, she was like, you know, I think that maybe God is like knocking at your door here and you're just like slamming it. You're just like, no, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to open it. And she's like, you should pray about this. You should, you should meet with him. You, you know, you should do that. So she was very supportive in that way to be like, hey, you know, don't be stubborn about this just because you said no. Um, and so praise the Lord, rest you of, did that. <laughs> the rest is history. Yes. We ended up meeting. We had a great conversation, but my mindset was a bit different because I, at that, in that transition time when I was gone, we had joined the M triple C. So that was a component that was mm-hmm. important. Um, cause I, that is something that I, I had kind of wanted before that. Um, and, uh, so basically coming back into it, I was like, okay, I have unfinished business here. And, um, I was like, okay, when I come back and do this, uh, within four years, I want to win the conference championship for M triple C and check, check. I want to, uh, also, uh, make a real push to the best that I could for Emmaus to leave the ACCA and join the NCCAA. That was another, that was another check, thing. which we did so, two years so, later. <laughs> so yeah, that I, I was, I was a lot more, I think I had a lot better handle on things. Spending some time away from things sometimes helps you kind mm-hmm. of have that clarity. And I came back and I was like, okay. Now I can have, I want to do, before I was like, let's do this to the best we can. It was still great. Now I came back and was like, let's have some definable goals. And like, how are we going to do this? And, you know, obviously um, that was into the Coach Gras era. So like on the recruiting side, we really kind of stepped those components up. We had a totally another gear with with that era of right. recruiting. And even like you look at our, all the banners in the gym, right. like before 2014 and there's nothing. Right. 
and then 14 hits and then boom, 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 boom. Like, right. So I had experienced recruiting before mm-hmm. in the first iteration, but really with coach Gras partner. And, and if you know, coach Gras at all, just like his personality <laughs> and, and the, the way that he conducts himself and he, he's just a grinder and he, like us two together, we were like, let's That's go volleyball. Let's all go out, you know? So that, so I really wanted us. Yeah. I wanted to hold on to the, you know, the same principles and the same way we conducted ourselves in the Emmaus athletic way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give that up at all, but I, I was like, we can push this to be more competitive than it even was. And let's go, let's do it. And boy was, I always joke that like, if I was like, cause I was the, I was the class right before we started like fully recruiting for basketball. I'm like, if, uh, if I was in that position, like now, like I would not be recruited. To <laughs> but yeah, it so would have been a loss. It would have made right. No, <laughs> yeah. So coming back, fourteen um, or fifteen, sixteen, mm-hmm. um, that was like the foundation was set those first four years, and then you came back, and then, man, like those first couple of years, things were really started to get going, and then all of a sudden, seventeen, eighteen. Oh my goodness, kind of. Let's walk, let's talk about those years of, yeah. wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's, like you said, 15 laid the foundation, ended up at 500 record, you know, um, but really could see, Hey, some of the components are here and a young team, you know, working on the gelling, but like, okay, again, seeing like, what is the competition doing? Where do we need to get to? And a, a core group of those, those freshmen and sophomore players, uh, were really dedicated to, they finished that season. It was hard, but they finished it and we're like, okay, we, we, we see that we can, we can do this. So we can do something. (laughs) So 2016, um, we kind of continued that, uh, had a few more components, but lost a few. So it was a smaller roster, um, but continued to make strides there. Um, especially in the conference. Um, and that was the year we made it all the way to the conference final (laughs) and still think about that game from time to time. Uh, Played Ozark, who was a, an, an upset in the other side of the bracket, and, and um, we ended up losing to them in five sets, 16-14 in the fifth. Heartbreaking. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think I said this to you earlier, like that that loss, I think anybody who was on that team can remember it so, so well, and it was such a hard thing to do. Like we weren't even supposed to be there, and then, you know, we should have been happy, but then we lost, and it was – like so tight. And, um, but I think that moment was really like a turning point. That was a pivotal point in the program. In the itself. program. Yep. Because we had the athletes that had the drive and the, the desire to be successful. And they realized like, okay, we got like a little taste of this. It's time to go next level, you know? <laughs> and so, and so that was the last year in the ACCA. We did the ACCA tournament. We ended up well there. I think we did third place that year uh, after that conference loss. And then um, that was the transition year into the NCCAA. So we were like, boy, we took that by storm that first year. Yeah, we really (laughs) did. And so then, you know, that, you know, going with that mindset, you know, we really recruited, we, we had a great, some great additions to the team. And like, I was expecting us to do well. I was a little bit like, okay, NCCAA, like it's going to be a bumpy ride Mm -hmm. a little bit. (laughs) Did not. So (laughs) did not turn out that way. It's I can't see. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, 2017, I think exceeded my expectation, but everybody's expectation, team expectation, mm-hmm. fans, expectations, school expectations. Like it was almost like we didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. It's like, what in the world's going on? Like, cause man, like, cause you, I think we talked earlier that year we started the season 10 and 0. Yeah. 10 and 0, but also 30 and 0 in 30 sets, 30 and 0 in sets, which, which is, is I still can't understand crazy. It. Right. <laughs> um, and so it was one of those things where honestly, I think like at that point we finally lost that, that, you know, 11th match. And I was like, Ooh, thank you. Ooh. Yeah. Because it was almost like we didn't know what to do with it. And we weren't having a lot of adversity. Like we were winning pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Teams would push us a little bit, but like if you're winning three Oh all the time, like you're in control and of the I mean, match all the time. Early in that season, like, some of those sets weren't even close. I mean, no, it was like, close. it wasn't like 25, 20. I mean, right. it was like 25, 10. Yeah. So, but I mean, it, yeah. you know, as a coach, like great teams are born out of adversity. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, we really haven't. Like when are we, we going to hit that? We really haven't. Ride. We haven't really had a lot of that. So how's this going to play out long-term, you know, but we just kept 
cruising throughout the year. And, um, you know, I think we still were, were playing pretty free because we didn't have the expectations. It's not like, oh, we were the uh, 10-time regional champions. You know, we need to get it again. But I think going towards the postseason that year, we started to feel it, like, because it's one of those things when you're successful, like, everybody starts talking at you, and they're like, hey, that hey. That target on you grows bigger Yeah, bigger. they're like, hey, <laughs> you know, you guys, uh, uh, you, you could probably win the conference, and, like, hey, you, you, you could go to nationals. Like, and it was like, I, I was very big on, like, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I was like, I want my next game. And that's like what it, we really had to focus in on that because if you start focusing in on, on all of these externals and especially what people are telling you, mm-hmm. that's a dangerous place for a team to be, I think, because then you get it in your head like, oh, you know, we're going like, to. Like, oh, this team, like, yeah, you have to keep, like, every game has to equal the same. Otherwise, yeah, you, you yeah. a team that shouldn't win will beat you or you won't play as well or, you know. Yeah, and we started talking about it like, next game mentality but also that was the year we started talking about next ball mentality mm. and one of the phrases i like to use as a coach a lot was playing outside the scoreboard and that's a hard thing to do when you're just playing the way you should and you're <laughs> not because you, you'd see it from time to time when players would, would would be playing and depending on the gym they'd be like turn around like looking at the score like looking at the score like oh i messed up no what's the score now mm. and it's like if you can look get a coach look at the score right <laughs> so if i mean whether you're winning or losing if you could get to that same place where you're just executing and not worrying about that and i know like okay obviously it's always in our head what the score is right, right? but that's like just conceptually that's what we just had to start talking about even as being a team that was doing very very well it still worked the same as if you were a team that was not doing well you still have that same kind of focus so Anyway, um, so yeah, 2017, we, we won the conference tournament at home. Undefeated. Which was a very, very sweet moment to, and that was one of our goals for the season. We're like, we're going to win the conference tournament this year. So to do it in our gym, <laughs> I mean, that was the best. That was special. Now how would that winning 2017 going into 2018 as a coach, like, how's your mindset? Like, okay, like we just came off winning conference mm-hmm. um went to, went to the national went tournament. to the national tournament at large bid at large bid yeah. like which in the first year coming back in the NCCAA, like crazy. that is crazy crazy awesome. beyond our wildest dreams honestly <laughs> we were just so grateful and we were at that point we were like we're this is like a no pressure like we're gonna we were number eight seed we were like we're gonna go and celebrate our season that's all we're gonna do like so and that was that's when the it was still in bob and bob, bob jones, jones there so South yeah Carolina. how fun so Super yeah how fun. going into 2018 season with you know all the lights, all the success. Like, mm-hmm. how did you prep for that year with the team of like, okay, like we've tasted success. We've been there. We've been at the highest level. Now, how can we get better or continue that success without having like, as people say, like the championship or like the success hangover of where you do so well and all of a sudden you struggle like kind of we did in basketball the last, last year. Yeah, it's a difficult, I'll tell you, it's a very difficult place to be that year of coaching was the year I felt the most pressure on myself um bar none and I mean that that you know that's self-imposed that wasn't from anybody else you know because uh, uh, fans or, or, par- or you know players parents like they're celebrating the success and they want more of it and that's what they should be doing you know but as a coach you like you internalize that a little bit a, a lot <laughs> everything <laughs> um, so what my mindset was is that I was like I knew that was going to be the case and I knew with our recruits and like players stepping up into new roles that our team would be good, but we might not actually be as strong. We lost Win Vandersall, who was like a crazy outside hitter, which was she was terminating almost every ball we needed her to. And we she was very, very she was, good. We'll talk more about her. But <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was like, we're going to have to strategize differently, but we're still going to go for it. Mm-hmm. We're going for it. And so uh, it was a lot of prayer. <laughs> It was a lot of, honestly, that year I can think I leaned on people more than, more than I had and probably what I should have been doing the whole time. Like I can remember meeting with Coach Brown, uh, Ben Brown, and we would go out for breakfast to a Sunshine Family restaurant. <laughs> It'd be like, you know, 6 a.m. We'd go there for breakfast and just like talk and like talk through all these things. And, you know, just, man, there was times where I was like, this is a lot of pressure. And, and having that weight on your shoulders too of like, like that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because and it's through 2018, like, uh, what did we what did we start at that year? We did another crazy run. 16-0 we started that year. 16-0, <laughs> so we didn't lose till mid-October. I mean, we were ranked number one. 
Yeah, we started the season ranked number one. I think that was the year we lost, what, five games, I think, that year? Yeah. And it was NAIA. It was two NAIA teams and three D3 teams. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, being nationally ranked in any measure, like the team this year, like, that's awesome. That's a great celebration of your success, right? But, like, when you are hearing about it all the time, <laughs> you know, it's like you got to be careful of that, you mm -hmm. know, and you got to take it the right way. Um, so, yeah, I was really, really proud of that team um, because I think what they were, you know, how they played throughout the season, like, they, they necessarily weren't the best players, but they definitely were one of the best teams in the NCCAA because we really had players step into roles and, like, all of a sudden it's like, Everything just gelled and everybody flourished. And we were like, this is awesome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was the first year with Coach Richter too. So Shout out, yeah. Coach Anna. And that was the year that we made to the final four. So yeah. Or was that the year before? No, that was that so, year, right? Yeah. We ended, we were able to repeat in the MCCC. Undefeated so we, again. So we won, we, we, we won that. And, um, that nationals thing was still just hanging over our heads. I remember, uh, Honestly, I remember Coach Hannah, after we won the championship, we were at Ozark and we played Manhattan and we, we beat them to win the conference. And she was like, Coach, it's okay for you to be happy and celebrate. And I'm like, honestly, Hannah, I'm so sorry. I'm thinking about the next one. Mm -hmm. And like, that's where we were kind of at. You know, like it was still this like, okay, but regionals is coming, you know? And so, um, so yeah, we we're able to make it to the regional final and just that nemesis of Marinette. Was still, uh, I think know. we lost in five sets. Three. Four, the three they, they swept, swept us. us. That's right. Yeah. But then and we got the deservedly so because that, you know, they were the better team and they played the better match. And, you know, we were, yeah. we were very optimistic. We we're like, we can beat them. We had beaten them for the first time that season uh, at their place. And then they beat us at our place. And so this was the third meetup in the regional finals. And, Three zero swap. I don't know. Did we know we'd play him a fourth time at nationals? But yeah, so we got the automatic bid. Yep. That was the year that you won coach of the year. Yes. And Hannah Postma won NCCAA player of the year for yes. volleyball. Yeah, that that's a huge honor um, for her. And she like absolutely deserved it. I mean, I don't know because, uh, you know, when they select those players, I was part of the, the, all-american committee that year and like uh they're like pretty much every year player of the year goes to a secret ballot so everybody <laughs> in there voted for her so i don't know what the final was but it was like it was very clear hands down like she she absolutely deserved to be a uh, player of the year that year it was like basically the culmination of like four years of what she had done of um, straight excellence yeah and absolutely. then that we then that was Paige sweeney's freshman year and she was first team all-american which uh that was her second warrior. year she was both uh all-american both years and how often does that happen I don't think she was 2017. Or is it just her we'll first year? I have to look at that. I'm pretty sure it's it's very rare for a freshman to get all American. So I'm which is crazy. I'm pretty sure she would have deserved it based on what she did, but um, she definitely did get it the that second, second that 2018. Year. Yep. And I think that was the year that you led the nation by a landslide in, in aces. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Going back to saying like, how did you prepare? So basically, we knew we had the core of players that could execute pretty well, and so really we changed our strategy on some things because we're like, these are the players we have. We're not going to be able to play like we did last year. And so part of the strategy, I actually went to a coaching clinic um, in Omaha and that uh, in the spring that year. And one of the presenters, like this was like a, a art of coaching volleyball. So very like high level college coaches, mm -hmm. D1, D1 coaches. And one of them did a, a, a presentation, uh, like a 40 minute presentation on serving. And I was like, hmm. Um, Cause you know, uh, to, to a lot of fans, like you may be frustrated when players miss serves. It's like, oh, come on, we just gave up a point, really? which is yeah. true. You know, so there's different strategies in volleyball as far as serving. You could go for like high percentage, never mess up, but then you give the team an easy ball to put back at you, right? Yeah. Um, but then you don't give up a point if you miss. Or you can go kind of middle of the road, like aggressive, get them out of system, you know, or you can go the other extreme and be like, just burn it. And we're going to get as many aces and out of out of system plays as we can. We're going to miss a lot of serves, and we got to be okay with that. That's where we went in 2018, because we had personnel that could serve really well. Like Paulina Valderain um, was an amazing server, and uh, we'll talk more about her later too. But you know, 
so it, it was like a strategy shift. We started spending a lot of time in practice on serving. We would watch film of other teams and be like, how can we pick them apart mm. from the service line? And so that probably was a game changer <laughs> for us throughout the season. Like, obviously we still had to execute everything else, right. pass the ball well, you know, hit the ball in all of that stuff. But, um, yeah, we just, um, that was one, there, there's a very famous volleyball coach, uh, Russ Rose, who coached at Penn state for 45 years or something like that. And that was one of the things that, um, he had said at the clinic that took away, um, was, uh, coach the team you have and play to your strengths. Don't keep coach the team that you wish you had, or the player you wish you had, or the player that got away, you know, coach the team you have mm. play to your strengths, minimize your weaknesses. And I was like, that is great advice. Let's do that. I'm going to take, take that and run with it. Like that, like I think like a lot of times, like, like being an assistant coach, like sometimes like that is your, your mindset of right. like, okay, this is what I want this team to be, or this is what I want us to do. And it's like, no, like do what you have to your strengths and figure what, figure out what that is. And then run with it. Cause yeah. And in volleyball, I've seen it a lot and I was guilty of it too, where um, a lot of coaches are married to their system. They're like, mm -hmm. this is the system I want to run. We're like, never changing it. This is, this yeah. is like, or, or they'll do variations within it, but like, no, like this is the way we think is the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I, I had to really turn the corner on that. My early years at Emmaus, I was like, I don't have the players that can execute this. So I'm going to have to simplify something. And even if it's not my preference, we're going to try it this way. Like, um, you know, a lot of coaching volleyball at the D2 level for NCCAA is like a lot of ball control. Like yeah. the teams that control the ball well. <laughs> they can pass it. Like <laughs> Control the ball well in all aspects. Those are the teams, like probably if you were able to crunch the numbers exactly, you would see the trend, like those are the teams that win the most. So teams that can serve the ball in, hit the ball in, pass the ball to the setter. <laughs> like all of those things, you know, control all the way. And it's not the defining thing, but it's, it's one of the big ones. So I mean, all those really add up yeah for sure right yeah, yeah so 2018 team what it what a year that they had um and then you had 2019 obviously we didn't play 2020 because of covid and then yes you're finally your 2021 um i mean that 2018 team we lost we graduated a lot of mm -hmm. talent mm -hmm. so how would you say like coming off of that championship uh run those fabulous seniors going yep. into 19 then 2021 was it like yeah. i'm sure like well it's yeah because that 2018 2018 team was awesome but also keep in mind like is the culmination of like all those years of work of coming 14, 15, yeah. of starting back in 15 and being like this is kind of like our goal right and then like those players it was their com com culmination like of all of that so it was like just like a, a super emotional time. And like, we we're down there in South Carolina, like so tired. Like we'd left everything on the court. The season's long. We drive there. It's already snowing. We're like, what is going on? You know? So, so yeah, talk about coming back to that. Um, we knew it was going to be different. We're like, okay, we have some remnants of that team here, but we've lost so many um, through graduation or just mo moved on from Emmaus for the right reasons. Um, and so, I'd say, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough, but we had tempered our expectations and it was kind of nice because I think that year, um, we, we did better than we should have. I mm -hmm. think we ended up at 500 yeah, 12 and 12 that year. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we also, um, finished second in conference and made it to the conference tournament <laughs> championship, which we like, I, like we pro on paper, we shouldn't have been. And I think coach Hannah and I talked, we were like, that year we, we had a lot of like uh reverse intimidation <laughs> of opponents where like they'd be like all right we, we're like, in trouble like, like oh, emmaus <laughs> like we should be able to beat them and then we would end up <laughs> we would just end up winning but i mean it's a testament to the players that yeah. like they realized things were different the players that were returning like a lot of them got slotted in different roles mm -hmm. a lot of players started for the first time we had new players and so yeah it was really supposed to be like okay this is going to be like a slight reset rebuild and into 2020 and especially losing like a four-year setter who's right probably the greatest volleyball player of all time here like that right. like that a setter alone like that's the quarterback out there like that's <laughs> yeah. just totally different right yep so yeah that's big difference but i mean thankful for those years that we had um let's talk a little bit about coach hannah and coach megan since you were able to coach with Coach Hannah, she was your assistant coach for four years, mm -hmm. three seasons. Yep. Talk about the experience you had with her and 
what you see that she's been able to do well um, now as a head, head coach here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so coach Hannah, let me back up a little bit. So in 2017, I had um, promoted a manager, Abby Hoyt, to be assistant coach. Okay, that was 2017. And then she had gotten a teaching job, so she wasn't going to be back for 2018. And so then I was like, okay, we're going into this. Like, we just are, the, we won the conference. We went to nationals. Like, I'm going to need an assistant. Like, I can't run this on my own. Right. Like, it's, you need somebody who's going to be able to come alongside these players and help mentor them to get back to where we want to be. Um, and so going down the list, thinking, scratching my head, like who's, who can it be like asking for referrals, like founding nothing, 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 nothing. Um, and finally, so Beth, my wife and I were talking one weekend, we're like, okay, we're gonna pray this weekend, like specifically like that the Lord would bring an assistant coach that we need. Or if not, if the answer is no, then I was like, I'm just going to do it myself. That was, that was where mm -hmm. we were at. So we, we prayed that weekend and got a text from uh, a very good friend and said, hey, uh, are you still looking for an assistant volleyball coach? Uh, Hannah Richter just moved back into town. You should talk to her. I was like, what? The Lord answers prayers. True story. <laughs> so Hannah and I end up meeting and you can ask her side of it. I think she probably met with me like as a courtesy. She was looking for uh, other volleyball. She was looking for other coaching positions. You know, <laughs> uh, I think she had talked to a senior and maybe Clark elsewhere. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so we ended up meeting at uh, Caribou Coffee and we just like had a great conversation. Like we ended up like really clicking and it just like happened that she's like, yeah, I want to do this. Let's do this. Um, and so having her that year in 2018, honestly, was probably like a behind the scenes, but like a huge, huge, huge reason that team was so successful because she was able to come in, bring a wealth of knowledge, coaching experience and you know, be a mentor to the girls and also be like different than me mm -hmm. and someone also who is not afraid to be like coach. That is a bad idea. <laughs> and that's what you need. Like, that's what you yeah. need in an assistant coach to be like, Hey, have you really thought this through? Because I'm thinking this and like that iron sharpens iron thing. So important. Mm -hmm. So I can't say like enough, like how, what a difference she made in the program that first, even just that first year coming in with a new baby and like, just a change in life, you know, moving back to Dubuque and all of that, like, man, what a wonderful thing that was. And then, you know, continuing on through 2019 and coaching with her in 2021, same thing. Like we just, we worked really, really well together. Um, so that was, you know, w when I thought about leaving, that was such a, a hard thing to think about because I, I had such loyalty to coach Hannah. I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be hard to be like, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I need to step away. Um, you know, but I have to say just how incredible, like so, so proud of her. Um, if there was anyone that I would want to be leading the program, like there was no one else, mm. no one else at all. Um, you know, I think that she, she has such a, a, a great mind for the game. She understands it. She's intuitive in a lot of ways. Um, she, she, she sees things in players and she sees things in the team very well. Uh, but, you know, she's also purposed to make, from day one, she's purposed to make an investment in the lives of players. And that's what you really need. It that, really is, that especially at our level. That breeds success, yes. But more importantly, like, that is the reason to be a coach, right? And so I think she is, like, 100% on board with that and, like, realizes, like, what a position to be in where I can have this mentoring relationship with these ladies at this time of their life at Emmaus that I can impact them for Christ and be a leader in that and also have a great time with them and coach them volleyball and have them learn things and maybe win some games and be successful, you know? So I think that, um, you know, she's done uh, like last year, I'm sure was really, really difficult, right? It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to be the new head coach and to, you know, not have your own, process for recruiting and your own you just don't you're kind of out of your element and she did a great job with what she had but like see where we're at now like oh my goodness <laughs> yeah the jump between last year and this year like wow right 
And so like, there is no doubt in my mind, like she is such a capable coach and like, just, she's going to continue to do great things. And I'm saying it right now, she should be regional coach of the year. Absolutely. And if she's not, that's a shame. You heard it first from coach Pittman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm super proud of her. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're so thankful for what you were able to teach her when you were coaching here and then having her take over and just the position that we're in with volleyball, like it's going up. Like we're so excited. Yeah. Just not even just volleyball, but soccer, yep. cross country basketball, like mass athletics has really mm-hmm. taken huge steps. Even like the last couple of years, even since I played, since you coach, like, and like, there's just so many exciting things it going is on. Exciting, yeah. Um, looking ahead. Uh, well, we talk- can I just talk sure. about coach Megan too? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I can talk about coach Megan. Okay. So I, I'm just like, <laughs> so grateful to see them as partners because, you know, I think they bring different things to the table, especially, you know, coach Hannah, like, like is like, Oh, coach Meg is able to take care of like a lot of my in- administrative stuff, which is like, sounds like a small thing. Like as a coach, there is a lot of things <laughs> that need to be done. And to have someone be like, Hey, I'm going to take that off your plate. That's amazing. I'm going to order food. I'm going to book hotels. I'm going to do expenses, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, but, uh, you know, Megan served as manager for two years and then ended up playing in 2019. Like she really has every experience yeah. that you could have on a team. But, you know, I think for someone like her to be a manager and then move and, and come back and play, like that's tough enough as it is. That, that was a brave thing for her to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, really, that's, you know, but I, I, I think that maybe hopefully that that season gave her a lot of experience that she took in, you know, to being back on the floor and then taking that into the coaching role. But what I will say is this, you know, someone like Meg that served as manager, that's like, that's like, uh, that's a, that's a pretty low job for, you know, uh, being part of the team is like, Oh, Hey, can you, I know we just traveled <laughs> and I know it's midnight. Can you make sure all the laundry gets done and change it and switch it? Like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, somebody yeah. needs to do that. Mm-hmm. And somebody who serves like that and like, is already from 2017 it's like giving themselves to the service of the team like of course she should be the assistant coach it makes perfect sense so i love to see them working together it's like and it's so fun to see them interact and just how they like they are like they work so well together like they really do like they love it love that they have for to support each other and just for the game and for these girls like it is like it's really really cool to see yeah really cool and i'm only seeing it from the outside you know what i mean but i'm i've I've talked to to coach hannah and yeah she's just they're just a great team together. So they really are. We're like I said, we're really excited for it. <laughs> yep. It's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of players, um, with our 15 year history of the program, 14 seasons, um, there's been a lot of really talented players yeah. popular, like, un, like you wouldn't think like, wait, 15 years, like, okay, like that's not a lot of time for a program right. to really grow and develop. But I mean, nationals, two of those years, like there have been some, talented yes. talented girls for sure young ladies women that have come and played it for our program and we want to talk about a couple of them okay. a few of them and just the okay. impact that they had on our program on the school just and just recognize them because okay yeah yeah so who do you want to talk about coach okay Let's, well <laughs> i mean we looked at i know this week we looked at like all time statistics and we, got them we pulled like, them up and she gave me this and I was like, I can't even see that. I like, um, but I, I got, I, I got to preface this by like, is this is, I, I can't talk about this in the context of like, these are the best players or my favorite players because like really like we could talk about it as far as, you know, statistically objectively, this is the impact they made. And I'm happy to talk about that. But what I told you earlier was like, you know, to be a successful team, you have so many of these role players that might show up in the middle of this stat sheet that were just as important as, as these other players yes, to accomplish yes. these things. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to take any of that away from them. And, um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, volleyball is such a team sport that you, you know, we're going to talk about these players as, as individuals, but really they were products of the teams that were built around them. Mm-hmm. Right. So please understand that. As I say that, I was like, I can, ne- I could never pick, you There's know, too many to talk about <laughs> pretty much any starting lineup in the history of Emmaus volleyball. I would say, yes, girls, let's go. We're going into <laughs> battle together and I would be fine with it. There you go. So, all right. Uh, we'll just start with, uh, who you have highlighted for, for pin players. So outsides, right sides. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Paulina, Paulina Valderain. Um, so 2018, she came in and it was actually a good time for her to come because we had that big hole 
when Wynn left, which we'll talk about her next probably. Um, but Paulina was just a beast from day one. Uh, very bright, loud personality, <laughs> huge personality. Where was she? <laughs> you know, but uh, it was great because volleyball teams need that. Mm -hmm. And she really added that. Um, so when Paulina first came in, this is, I'll just, I'm going to go through these quickly. So I could probably tell many, many stories about, about her and, and all the others. But uh, when Paulina <laughs> first came in, uh, I had her on right side uh, because I just wasn't sure like she could bomb the ball, but I wasn't sure about her consistency. Mm -hmm. So I was like, uh, I'm not sure we're, we're going to start on right side because it's less swings. Let's see how she does. And then she had this huge jump serve, just a, like scary. a bomb. But it was the same thing. Like I, I was a very conservative coach. I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I want to make sure I stayed in my lane. <laughs> I didn't, I, I, you wouldn't categorize me as a reckless coach at mm -hmm. all. Like making, so I was like, Paulina, you got to stop that. Like, I, I, I don't trust you to do it. Like even with our serving mentality that we're having, I'm like, I just don't think. So she had to convince me. She was like, look, coach, you know, like in her way, like, come on, coach. In the Paulina like, way. In the Paulina <laughs> way. In the, come on, coach. Like, you know, we're going to, you got to let me do it. And I mean, she did miss a lot of serves, but in our strategy of what we were doing that year, I think like she, I don't know what the, what the spread was in the NCCA, but she by far she was, was number there. one. I mean, right? I think I remember there was one game where she had like 10 aces in yeah. a row and it was like. Yeah, I mean, teams would be afraid of her. And, like, even if she didn't get the ace, it, it, was, it was hard like, for them hard for them to pass. <laughs> and, like, you could see when she went back, and if she missed her first one, the other team being like, Whew. We lucked out. <laughs> like for collective side. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, great player. And if you look at her statistically, probably across the board in that 2018 year where there was a lot of tough matches, even go to the national tournament and see what she did statistically in those matches, like, she was lights out. She was in that, that 0-1 position where we'd give her the ball a lot. And, you know, her and Hannah Postma worked well together and she would take care of a lot of stuff. So, and even in like two years, she's the second, second leading kills leader in Emmaus, which is awesome. Yeah. Crazy two years. Yep. Yeah. So then, yeah. So Paulina and then there was obviously Allie Hertz. So one of our four year players from that 15 to 18 yep. team, um, yeah. All-time leader in kills. All-time leader in kills, which yep. is awesome. Yep. And Allie was, uh, you know, instrumental in building that, building those teams. And she really, um, you know, had a lot of growth in her career and moved moved around um, to actually hit right side her senior year, um, which was what we needed her to do. We swapped with Paulina. And, you know, she was able to say, yeah, whatever's best for the team, let's do it. Um, you know, but, and, you know, she struggled throughout the, throughout the years with a uh, shoulder, like a lot of pain and like mm -hmm. injuries. She fought through it. So she was just, yeah, she was a fighter and a grinder and just a, a great person to have on the team. And the fact also crazy thing, she was third all time in digs as well, Yeah, which is the, a lot of defense and uh, <laughs> a lot of time on the floor, a lot of Jersey replacements for Allie, <laughs> <laughs> all those sleeves being ripped and everything. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, like, man. Win Vandersall. Okay. So, what a hitter. Yeah. She could jump out of the gym. Uh, she was very, very, just a very, very sweet person. But like when she got into game time, it was like beast mode. <laughs> yeah. And she did everything. Uh, but again, she was in that same position as Paulina where it's like she got a lot of attempts. We'd give her the ball a lot. And she really did carry us offensively mm -hmm. for, uh, you know. And, and when you have players like that who are so dangerous offensively, it really helps the whole team because it frees everyone else up because yeah. everybody's like, Oh, we're going to go here, but now we're going here, you know? And so that makes you dangerous on it. It makes those less beast mode players better because mm -hmm. they have more opportunities, you know, because the, the defense is so focused on the power hitter of what they think. Is and I love happen. the story you said the other day about when it was, uh, was at nationals when you were going to tweak the oh yeah, <laughs> it wasn't nationals. There was a time where I was thinking about tweaking the uh, rotation and she basically in her very sweet way and she would never brag or say this to anyone else. But she said to me, she's like, the ball coach. <laughs> she's like, coach, don't do it. She's like, it's, uh, no one's going to be able to stop me. And honestly, it's it was true. true. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll consider that. So. Right, she's, she has the record for most kills in a set or in a match with, I think it's 28 or 29. Like, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> what did she average? I don't, it's probably like four kills per set so i mean it's super high yeah. 4.19 i think that's a lot yeah yeah crazy which is it is yep <laughs> yep looking at middles we've okay. had some pretty good middles throughout the years yeah. of 
Well, the first one I want to shout out is uh, Christy Bracelin. Like, so she was an original 2009 and 2010, and she was instrumental in helping us like kind of establish things. But if you look at her stats, like she is up there in blocks and in hitting percentage. Um, but you have to remember what's so cool about that is she wasn't playing on like high caliber teams. Right? Yeah. So she was carrying a lot of weight there, but like, if you, in a, in a speculation, but like if you took, if you took her and put her on one of those later teams where it's like things were firing at a whole different level, like how much better would she would have been right. probably. Well, the fact that she's up there with a year of 11 games, like right. she's up there statistically, like, yeah, like, so she's got that. And, and then she had the, whatever we did 15 or 25 games in 2010, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. So she was, she was a fantastic volleyball player. And uh, the thing about Christy, I always remember is no matter what, she always had a huge smile on her face, not a fake smile, like always huge. Like no matter what she'd encourage the team and like whether she got blocked or whether she like hit some girl in the head, she'd just be like the same, like this is awesome guys are playing volleyball. So I, I mean, I We're still, I still remember that about her. So it was amazing. All right. Who else do we have in middle? Yeah. Let's see Paige Sweeney. Okay. So Paige, yeah. Paige was uh, an amazing player and we kind of got Paige in. We had never, we, we didn't, when Paige showed up, we really had uh, very little conversations with her. She hadn't visited. And so we were kind of like, what? I remember talking with Hannah Postma about it and we're like, what is Paige going to be like as a player and hitter? And then after that first practice, we were like, Hello. <laughs> hey, welcome to Emmaus. She was the final piece of the puzzle that we needed. That that's uh, that 2017 season is. Uh, it's always hard to fill that middle blocker position. I feel. Um, I think she led the nation in blocks that year too. Yeah, she was definitely a very very strong middle, and I think that she got better at Emmaus than her previous playing, like in high school. Um, just for the fact of working with Hannah, mm -hmm. those two, like probably of anyone else that I've ever seen play middle, their timing was just there. And like, she was one of the few players we could give like a zero ball to where Hannah could jump and just barely touch the ball and she could be right there and, <laughs> and bang it. But also just like, uh, super positive and, you know, just a, a great leader on the team and yeah, just, uh, brought good energy and just, yeah really uh really made a huge difference all american avca all american as well with hannah in 2018 so yeah huge which is awesome yep uh other middle looking at uh katie ryan oh katie ryan so i put katie ryan yes talk about katie ryan in the middle but katie ryan when i recruited her was actually an outside and i wish i would have seen her play mm. outside at emmaus you know because she was so good and i think that was really in 2012 when she came as a freshman we had a very small team that year and I was like, Katie, you're going to have to play middle cause no one else can block. And she was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I really appreciated her. Like that's, that's a hard thing to do as a player to play a position that she had never played before. And to be like, coach, this is outside of my comfort zone. Like this isn't what you recruited me to even do, but I'm going to do it because I know that we need to do it. Like that is huge. So I only got to coach her that one season. Mm -hmm. And then she played in 2013 and 2014. Um, after that, but her stats are still amazing. I mean, she's third all time in kills from playing a position that she's right. never played before, which just shows like, so I, I wish it would have, we would have been able to see her at her natural position. And maybe when uh, in those middle years, she may have played it from time to time. I'm not sure how that, but I know when I coached her, you know, but she did a fantastic job, a fantastic job in the middle, especially for being new. <laughs> I remember she, like, we'd have to pull her back and have her serve receive and play defense and do all that stuff and still hit in the middle. It was crazy. So. When you're, the best player on the team. You have to do everything. That's true. Especially <laughs> if you're a small roster. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm um, looking at some of the defensive specialists or okay. the liberos we've had throughout the years. Um, obviously those championship teams were Savannah Peterson. Mm -hmm. Now Savannah Redding was the yep. libero on the team. Yeah. And I think she's our all time leader for she's digs. Our all time right? leader in yep. digs. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so, yeah, Savannah, um, man, she, she really was able to shine as, um, being the libero. Um, was a great server as well. So contributed a lot to the team there. But I mean, I really wish we could have seen Savvy do four years of it. Because uh, the first two years I had to have her hit because we didn't really have the outside hitters that we needed. Mm -hmm. And she pretty much did everything. She hit outside. I, I mean, one time she's she had- top 10 in kills too. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, I mean, she really was, she's like Allie. She was mm -hmm. just like a worker. She was dedicated. She would work out a lot in the summer 
doing volleyball. Um, she was, um, you know, very intuitive in the back row. And when we moved her in 2017 and 18 to that position, yeah, she did a fantastic job. And, um, you know, we wouldn't have been as successful those years without her in that role. And thankfully we were able to find hitters to fill the, the gap. And like, finally move her. I think we were going <laughs> to do it in 2016 and we had an injury and then we had to move her back. So like, ah, <laughs> so again, I, one of the, one of those players that said, Hey coach, you know, this is what I want to do, but I understand I need to do this and I'm going to do it because that's what we need. Which and I still lo- like, I love yeah, that two years of outside two years of libero and still all time leader in digs. Like that's impressive. It is impressive. <laughs> yeah. For Another sure. one that you, talked about was Molly Scoglin. Yeah, Molly. Yeah, I wanted to shout out Molly because she was like the original first like true libero that we had, someone who had played it in the past that, that you know, that came to Emmaus and did it. Um, but mostly for her, she was uh, on the floor a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and she played and then took a break from volleyball and got married and was then away. Came, then and came then back came and back played. in twenty. 20- <laughs> 2015 when I came back and so that I mean that is no small feat either mm. to step away from the the game and come back as a you know a slightly older player and and put your body through that kind of punishment and yeah she was super important to that to us that 2015 year to have her on the court doing serve receive yeah so and she's top four in digs too, four. which is crazy yep. too that's awesome and then looking at current player on the team Jenica Beach who's our current libero um I mean First year, she's almost top 10 in digs, which is crazy. Yeah, and digs per set. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know Jenica, but I know what I see. And uh, she's got the thing. You know, uh, you want liberos who are hustlers, but also ones who are in position before the ball is there and know how to read uh, an offense and read what the defense is doing. And, yeah, this girl can play some ball. Her passing is really good, too. Yeah. I mean, yes, of course you need yeah. that. But, but yeah, yeah, no, just knowing like she's a freshman and she's already up there. Like she could, there's a chance she could break a thousand digs in, t- in two years, which is freshman. insane. Yep. Freshman, <laughs> still saying libero of the year, regional. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And then looking at probably the greatest player to, mm-hmm. not probably, she is the greatest player yeah. Emmaus has ever had, but at setter Hannah Postma. Yeah. Um, well, really quick, I'll talk about Hannah, but shout out to, um, uh, and I got to, this is my list, um, Sarah Walker and, oh, Shannon. Yeah, of course. Um, Shannon Flogel. Um, you know, those two ran a six, two together, um, in 2012 and they were both great setters. And I think Shannon had set the year before. Um, so their numbers don't don't show it as much because they split everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was probably one of the, the, the greatest uh, setting teams that we had uh, prior to Hannah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, what can you say about, about Hannah was not only a fantastic setter. When, in, in 2015, when she came, we also had Savannah and Allie that were like, oh, I can set, you know. So I kind of ran them through their paces in the first couple practices, and I was like... Okay, um, we clearly have like uh, a next level. Not that they, not, not that Ali or Savvy were necessarily even bad at it. You know, but they were Shannon capable. Was just so good. Next level. Um, but the thing about her is that she could do everything. You know, I mean, she's number one in assists, number two in digs, number one in aces, number four in kills. Her like. hitting percentage is <laughs> way up. Um, but it's, I think, what it is is it's rare to have players that. Are, are so so capable but also also such fierce competitors mm-hmm. and that's something that you can't at once you get them at this level you can't coach that into them they either have it or they don't right like you can you can enhance it and kind of you know mentor it a little bit but like hannah came in as like with with her background and experience she'd been in some very high level situations some pressure situations and she was like, bring it. I want that. I thrive off that. And, um, you know, so she was a player that could take over games, you know, and it'd be like, there's a strategy, right? Like, oh, if your setter's in the back row, uh, the other team will hit the ball to the setter because then they can't set, mm-hmm. right? And teams would continue to do this. And all that would happen is Savannah would get the ball and set it in the back row to, to Hannah. Hannah. <laughs> and she'd be like, thanks for giving me that ball, right? I mean, because uh, I, I feel like I'd always say like she was such a good setter, but like 
Yeah, she was such a good hitter too. Like, oh, she could. Yeah, <laughs> she could. She could pound the ball, and uh, also just a phenomenal blocker. Because, like you said, if you think about it, like those fourth all time in kills, and probably two thirds of those, if not more, are back row kills. <laughs> right, which is crazy. Um, yeah, and really good at serving. I, I, we talked about this at the game. You know, like we almost after Hannah was gone, we started calling uh, it the postma because what she would do is she would be on the service line and she would like find the libero on the other side, which traditional strategy says, okay, don't serve the ball at the libero because they're their best passer over there. Serve it at someone else. So like Hannah would like specifically like look at the libero <laughs> and like serve it at her and like keep serving it at her from time to time. You know, if she thought she could break her down, <laughs> I mean, there was many that's times just a that measure happens. of confidence. <laughs> Not that she did it exclusively, uh-huh. but she was very good at being like, I see weakness over here. Um, she was a rare player that could, um, a lot of times players are focused on what's going on on their own side. And Hannah was always like, what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. And that quality to have as a player is great, but especially as a setter, you know what the defense is doing over there. You know, those trends. Um, and so, yeah. And she had the ability to, uh, you know, coming in with a super high level, still be very coachable and learn things. And also to be flexible to say like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm at a level where some of these girls aren't at and like, let's work to bring them along. And she was able to make players into better players by playing with her. I mean, so yeah. What a amazing. And that's, I mean, that's just scratching too. Like there's so many other talented girls. Like we're so thankful for for all the, the young ladies that have taken their time and put their, you know, their heart and soul into whether it was one, two, three or four years of volleyball here at Emmaus and just taking, like you said, like there's so many role players that were so key in the foundation of building this program up and just so thankful for players in those positions where there's a lot of, yeah, there's so many like people out there that don't get the recognition or the credit, but right. They're the reasons why I remember all we are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause either they were important in foundation or when the foundation was established, they were important in, in taking us to those next levels and we could not have done it without Mm -hmm. them. So good shout out to all 78 of them or however many Mm -hmm. there are on on here for sure. For sure. Well, coach Pim, we're so thankful for um, talking about the history of volleyball. Um, But want to look ahead, kind of recap uh, this past week with soccer volleyball across country and then kind of looking ahead to uh, the conference tournaments this week. This past week, volleyball played. They were ranked first time since the 2019 year, number nine. Uh, they played Grace, who's ranked number 11th. Um, kind of had a off off game. Uh, we ended up losing 3-0 to Grace. It was a rematch from when we beat them 3-2 at their place. Um, but, you know, g- good teams have good, great games and good teams have bad games. So looking to kind of push that off going into the conference tournament um soccer tied with maranatha so this is the first time ever maranatha hasn't beaten emmaus in a soccer season and that was a huge um just moment for the guys i mean it was 1-1 in the 95th minute and we got a penalty in the box and they maranatha had an opportunity to get a penalty kick to win the game and how often do goalies stop a pk and tucker stop the pk and we end up tying, which was amazing. And he won NCAA or NCCAA Student Athlete of the Week for a second awesome. time this season, which is awesome. And then cross country ran their super regionals at Faith, which sounds like we might actually be hosting that next year, which would be really nice. cool. But um, um, ran well, Kate Jansen PR'd, and she finished seventh in the super regional race and got first team all American regional all regional. Um, excuse me, first team all regional, which is really cool. Um, looking ahead to the conference tournament. So uh, volleyball is at Manhattan. They're the four seed. They play Ozark, who's the fifth seed. And if they win, they play the number one seed Manhattan on their home court to go to the championship game. Mm -hmm. But anything can happen in postseason, as you know, and as you said before, soccer, they're the two seed. And then they play Manhattan, who's the three seed. Um, And if they win, they play the winner of, of Faith and Ozark for the championship. Um, currently, uh, cross country is off for two and a half weeks until they go to the national tournament in grace. And we just found out that the first power ratings came out for soccer and we're the number one seed in the region, Nice, which is awesome. And volleyball is the number three seed. 
So they'll be the three C going to regional play. Mm -hmm. So a mm -hmm. lot of fantastic and great things coming the Emmaus Eagle way. Plus we have basketball starting in two weeks. So nine Same days time. until our first game. So a lot of excitement going on. Um, but again, yeah, coach Pittman, we just appreciate the 11 years of dedication. Well, more than that, because you were a student and everything, but just all the support you've had through the years, how you've really literally built this program from the foundation up and just the impact you've had on us, on Emmaus, on so many countless young ladies who have played for us. And just thanks for taking time out of your busy day and talking with us about um, the history of volleyball. So yeah, my pleasure is great conversation. I loved it. We appreciate it. So you guys, thanks again for joining us. Um, keep an eye out on all of our social medias for game schedules, for tournament updates, um, watch the live streams. We're super excited. It's a great day to be an Eagle. We'll see you guys later.